Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What is up, everybody? And welcome to Liberty Line Radio here on Fox Sports and Gambler. My name's Drew Smith. You can follow me on Twitter at Drew M. Smith. Follow Fox Sports, the gambler at Fox PHL Gambler. And of course, the Liberty Line at Liberty Line PHL. We have finally arrived at week one of NFL football. Jack Connell's here with me. Jack, we saw the Cowboys lose. I mean, you knew when Tom Brady had that football with a minute and 30 left in that game, he was going to win it, right? Oh, absolutely. The, I mean, the one thing that summed it up perfectly was, and you, you retweeted too, was Kevin's tweet. The Bo Burnham sitting there laughing. That yeah. You can never give Tom Brady the football any situation there could be three seconds on the clock and i would still feel uneasy literally look at the super bowl how much time did he have left and he still almost he almost pulled it off in super bowl 52 and he only had like 30 seconds i know the dude is like literally not human i I also tweeted out that we might need to have a serious discussion on if tom brady is an alien or robot in the near future because it's just automatic you know he's going to do it every single time but i mean regardless so thursday night Bucks beat the Cowboys. Cowboys are now 0-1. They are in last place in the <laughs> NFC East. And, of course, the Eagles are in Atlanta tomorrow to face the Falcons. Me and Jack will be diving into that game. We'll take a look at the NFL slate, find out a couple good games that we'd like, maybe even build a couple parlays. But before we get into all that NFL stuff, I think we are nearing the end of the Philadelphia Phillies. Have you finally hit acceptance, Drew? I it? It's, it, it has been tough to come to terms with the fact that the Phillies season, you know, just might be over. I mean, Zach Eflin, dumb for this year. Reese Hoskins, as we know, dumb for the year. And in the middle of a division race against a Colorado Rockies team that came to Philadelphia only winning 18 total games this season on the road, the Phillies have dropped two straight games to the Rockies. And, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it is unbelievable, Jack. I, For whatever reason, this team likes to play up to competition, and then they love to play down to competition. They got swept by the Diamondbacks in the past, and now they just dropped two straight to the Rockies. They're four and a half games back of the Atlanta Braves. I believe we have 22 games left. The entire team looks dead. Brad Miller last night was slamming his bat in the dugout. Bryce Harper was saying how embarrassing it was and how these pitchers need to step up and how awful it is and how we can play in front of the fans like that at home in Philadelphia. Jack, I think it's time to uh, go put on your Sunday's best, and we have to go bury the Phillies for the rest of the season. I can meet you there at noon. I mean, if you... it, it is just now 10 years since we've been to the playoffs. Jack, you were like, what, two years old? 
I was I was I think I was in third grade on Halloween when they won the World Series. So I would have yeah. been I wasn't even in middle school yet the last yes. time they made the. That would have been the uh, Halloween parade after. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, the World Series parade for the Phillies on Halloween. Yep, I re- I remember that day vividly. I yeah. do remember all that, but I was I was very young. Yeah, I was a junior in college, so you know a lot of people ask why I'm doing a radio show with. You know, Jack, who turns 21 in December, but he'll prove his worth when we start talking about the Eagles, I promise you. (laughs) (laughs) But look, I mean, now the Phillies still have two more against the Rockies. They play, let's see, 12 out of their next 15 games at home. The only time they go on the road is against the New York Mets. And it's just going to be tough to catch the Braves at this point because when you are four and a half back, it doesn't seem like a lot. But there's not much time to go when there's only about 22 games left on the schedule. And I know Jack specifically a couple of weeks ago sat on this show and said that the Phillies, you know, red October, we were finally going to get there. And uh, it's just really not looking good. Listen, you can pull off. If you, if you win four straight and Atlanta loses four straight, you're right back into it. Well, obviously, but here, here's the problem. The Braves are playing the Marlins, and then they're playing the Rockies. Then it gets a little interesting where they will travel to San Francisco to play the Giants. D-backs are kind of – they go on a nice little West Coast trip here from September 18th until they come home and play us on September 28th. So they have to hit the road and play – the Giants, obviously, they're very good. The Diamondbacks, not very good. And then the Padres, who are trying to hold on to a wild card spot before coming home and playing three games against us and then three games against the Mets. We have the Rockies, Mets, Cubs, Braves. So, I mean, we have an easier schedule, but when you're watching this team, no one out there is doing anything besides Bryce Harper. And that's just, unfortunately, the truth. I just, I'm hoping for some massive changes this offseason, Drew. I don't know if we get them, but I'm hoping for some big changes. I mean, it's, look, you look at this season, obviously injury stuff, COVID stuff, Real Muto missed significant time, Bryce Harper missed significant time, Reese Hoskins done for the season and arguably having one of the best seasons of his career. Zach Eflin, you know, our top of our rotation, one, two, three when Nola, Wheeler, Eflin was supposed to be one of the best in the National League. Aaron Nola deemed to be, you know, relatively inconsistent and pretty much burnt out at this point. Zach Wheeler, as we know, Cy Young candidate, probably won't win it after the last couple rough outings. And then you had Zach Eflin, who, you know, I mean, he's hurt for the year. So from there... Matt Moore was a total disaster. Chase Anderson, not even on the team, total disaster. And um, the bullpen, again, I mean, you blow a major league leading 30 saves. Franchise record, you're only four away from tying an MLB record. Major League Baseball has been played for 75 years, 100 years. (laughs) And you're going to break an all-time blown saves record in 2021? The one stat I saw, I forget if you were the one at Senator who sent it, but it was something like the Phillies have had a lead in 101 out of 140 games 
And the only other team to have done that in this season is the San Francisco Giants, who I'm pretty sure have the best record in the NL right now. Correct. So the Giants are 91-50, and and they have led in a baseball game 109 times out of 140 games. The Phillies have led in 106 games in 140, and they're 71-70. and I mean, and we knew that coming into this season. The problem is no one panned out. And I know Dave Dombrowski got in here and immediately he signed JT Romuto. It's the right move. Romuto's having an okay season, but it's just not best catcher in baseball season. Didi Gregorius, terrible season. He'll tell you himself. He literally said the other day how awful he's been playing baseball. Nola doesn't pan out. So, I mean, it, it's just tough. It, it's really tough to get behind the Phillies and have any faith that they're going to go in and go on a run here in late September, which literally they have not done since in a decade. So, if we look at next year, though, Jack, I'm not going to sit here and be doom and gloom. I don't, I don't want to make you upset over there. But you could possibly have a starting rotation of Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, Zach Eflin, Ranger Suarez, and Kyle Gibson, or Kyle Gibson and Ranger Suarez. That's a very solid rotation. Even when Nola struggles, he just wouldn't be the number one pitcher in the rotation. He'd probably settle in around two or three. That's a solid rotation. So it's not even the pitching, starting pitching, that you really even need to be worried about. It's the bullpen and it's offense because – Alec Bohm didn't pan out. Didi didn't pan out. Gene Segura had a great year. Reese Hoskins was having a great year. Kutch, very inconsistent. He's getting older. He's a veteran. Circus in center field. And then you have Bryce Harper. So, I don't know. It's just 10 years of misery right there, Jack. Listen, you got to always have hope, Drew. You have high hopes. It's, you know. I, I'm done with all the, uh, you know, cheesy Philadelphia Phillies lingo, I think. It's just too tough. I'm, I I got to deal with them coming down, crashing and burning. The 76ers are also crashing and burning. Um, you know, it's, it's just tough. But we do have Eagles football starting tomorrow against the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to dive into that. We might as well go to a quick break right now. This is Liberty Line Radio here on Fox Sports The Gambler. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Liberty Line Radio here on Fox Sports The Gambler. My name's Drew Smith, joined, as always, well, most of the time, by Jack Connell. And we have a full Sunday of NFL football starting tomorrow. The season officially kicks off tomorrow. I know you do the Super Bowl team on Thursday, the night before, whatever. They played the Cowboys. I barely even watched the game. I turned it on in the end to watch Tom Brady drive the Bucks down the field to win that. But... The main point of focus, of course, is the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Atlanta Hawks down in Atlanta. And, Hawks? Or uh, not the Hawks. I'm still <laughs> – they're killing me. <laughs> I mean, I, I literally hate every team from Atlanta. You have the Braves winning the NL East. You have the, what the Atlanta Hawks did to the 76ers, and now we have the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta. So the Falcons, everyone knew what I meant, but I, yeah, I mean, I just hate the city of Atlanta. We desperately need a win against the city of Atlanta. It starts tomorrow. 
with the Philadelphia Eagles. And, Jack, I mean, tell me where I'm wrong here, right? So when, when I'm looking at the Eagles right now, like, I really don't know. And, yes, I didn't really watch preseason. I've kept up with the team and seen the videos online from practices and everything. But it's a kind of a calm before the storm for me. I'm not really nervous nervous maybe because i don't have those expectations for the eagles this year but lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's kind of a weird feeling going into tomorrow, not really knowing anything about the Eagles besides, you know, just like the overall general headlines with them. Do, do you feel the same way? Yeah, I would agree that there there's always some... Ter- some sort of intrigue and mystery, mis- a mystery to a new team with a new coaching staff. And it's something we really haven't seen for a while since Doug Peterson. I mean, even when Chip Kelly came into town, everybody was very knowing of how Chip Kelly ran his offense. So there was the knowledge that he was going to go with this West Coast, the speedy offense. So it's really an, a not a familiar feeling for Eagles fans. And they're different across the board. Obviously, you got Jalen Hurts under center. They're going to have a new scheme built around Hurts. You have Zach Ertz back when people didn't expect Zach Ertz back. A fully healthy, healthy offensive line that includes Brandon Brooks, who hasn't played in two years. You bolster a secondary of Steven Nelson, a completely different defensive coordinator with a completely different mindset from Jim Schwartz. So it's going to be really different going into this season. I will agree with that, Drew. And sort of the calm before the storm, I wouldn't really say I'm nervous either. Because if the Eagles are going to be a half-decent team this year or make a push for the NFC East, a push to be just above 500, Atlanta is going to be one of the teams that you're going to be. It won't be a hesitation in your mind. They are not a very good team. And it will. I'm not really nervous because if you lose to Atlanta, it's just going to show how the rest of the season is going to go and kind of set my expectations from there is what I would say. Yeah, and I mean, the, the, the Eagles team on paper and everything you just said with a healthy offensive line, our defensive line, we know what they're capable of, especially with Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox on there. You have Brandon Graham. Um, and um, can you hear my dog crying? My dog's crying. In the I background. cannot. And this is what happens when you record from home. But look, if we're talking about a team that is solid from the inside, as in the offense and defensive line out, then – you kind of have to light the Eagles' chances, but I, I, I guess I'm also just playing confused because everyone in the media says that the Eagles are like a four to six win team this year, and I just don't see it. It's they're putting it on. I would say it's they're placing a lot of gamble onto Jalen Hurts and Sirianni, not really getting it off to a good start, which I understand. This team's going to have a very difficult ringer. We were talking about a couple weeks ago, their schedule to start the season. They play, I think, San Francisco and Kansas City within the first four weeks, or Kansas City or Tampa Bay in the first four weeks of the season. And they have Tampa Bay later in the season. They, they face a lot of difficult teams, but at the same time, they also have the easiest schedule in the NFL. So, I, I mean, it's really, as we kind of talked about going into the season, a lot of the media was not very high on Jalen Hurts. Chris Sims ranked him outside his top 40 quarterbacks in the NFL, which is ridiculous. 
but I think the tide started to change around that joint practice with New England when national media and other outlets were starting to see Hurts in practice and the confidence he has. And I really don't think that these teammates would have... Now, the teammates named the captain. They named Jalen Hurts a captain. I don't think they would have named him a captain if they weren't certain that he was going to be the guy. I think... Now, I'm not saying he's going to be a start, but I really think he's going to come out and have a solid season. There's yeah, just I mean, I too much too. riding behind it. I, I honestly do, too. And, I, and you look at this Atlanta team, and everything I see, they pretty much stink in any defensive position. And... Their running backs, you know, are nothing to write home about either. I think Cordell Patterson is like their second running back, which, you know, he's kind of a journeyman wide receiver turned running back. And obviously they have Matt Ryan, who's a veteran, and Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts, right? I mean, that's basically their offense. Yeah, so their head coach is Arthur Smith. He's the former offensive coordinator for Tennessee Titans. He was kind of the architect behind that ground and pound offense with Derrick Henry. So if I were to predict, I really haven't seen what formations they've run in preseason. Even that, it won't be an indictment of what they're going to run this season. Now, they outside of Pitts, they also have Hayden Hurst, who's a very solid tight end. And they've come out and said that they're going to use Mike Davis a lot, who's their running back one. I would expect a heavy 12 personnel, ground and pound, old school offense out of them. Especially just because their other receivers outside of their tight ends and Ridley are not good. Russell Gage is mediocre. I couldn't even tell you who their third wide receiver is looking at. I recognize nobody. You mentioned Cordell Patterson. Cordell Patterson's more of a special team specialist right. and like a trick play kind of guy. He's just a very speedster, and that's really all there is to him. Jake Matthews is a very solid left tackle. The rest of their offensive line is very shaky. Matt Hennessy, I believe, is a local guy. It's I expect a very grounded pound traditional offense from the Atlanta Falcons. And you're talking about their defense. The only person I would really even worry about in their defense and even that I wouldn't even worry about is Grady Jarrett. I think Grady Jarrett's a really good defensive lineman. They run a 3-4 defense, so it's a perfect opportunity for the Eagles to attack the middle. And I I don't think their defense is going to be... I think the Eagles, won't, I don't think they're going to score that much. It's, it's going to be a game and game of swing of things. I still think they'll put about three touchdowns or so. But, I mean, they will get lit up, this Atlanta defense, by some of the best offenses in the NFL because they are not talented whatsoever. Okay, so you're, are you thinking an Eagles victory then? Yeah, the only, I was talking about this on the flyer with Jay Brad. The only thing I'd be worried about is Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan is very underrated in terms of things. He's been one consistently a top 10 quarterback for the last several years, and he's really not talked about. But it's if they run that 12 personnel a lot, and those Eagles linebackers, we like to think they're okay. Alex Singleton's not that great in pass coverage, but if you start attacking with Pitts and Hurst, and those linebackers are lit up, that's when I start to get nervous. And you start to see a repeat of last year, like Los Angeles, all those other teams, when Kai Sean McVay figured out how to attack these linebackers and every other team started to consistently do it to them. That's where I get nervous about this Eagles team. So if you're looking at this defense, then at linebackers, probably the biggest concern. And with the Falcons, a team that is likely going to rely heavily on tight ends, that, that would be where Matt Ryan kind of gets his by just throwing it over the center too. And then we're down Rodney McLeod on defense as well. Yes, and that's another thing that hurts because Kayvon Wallace, Kayvon Wallace is a really good running safety. He's good against the run defense. He is very shaky in coverage. So that's another issue to watch. 
the positive of this, though, is Jonathan Gannon is shown to be very fluid with his defensive schemes. You've seen some 3-4, some 3-4 hybrid in training camp. The Orleans, you haven't seen it at all in preseason. So I could see if they're starting to get attacked over the middle like that, they could switch to a 3-4 hybrid and put somebody like Ryan Kerrigan back there in coverage to help out those linebackers. I wouldn't be shocked to see that at all, and I think it could really help. But it will be interesting to see how that chess match sort of plays out. Okay. And then on offense, obviously, like, here's the thing. I mean, even during press conferences and everything, I mean, Nick Sirianni is a very, like, passionate and emotional guy. But, like, I don't know. I I just feel like this year it's just – everything's just been a lot different. And maybe it's just because we're trying to, you know, get acquainted with this new coaching staff with Jalen Hurts. But even during press conferences, like – we didn't really hear much about what the Eagles were doing at practice. Jalen Hurts only played, what, six snaps in three preseason games? And, you know, they had the open practices. One of them was rained out. So, like, I, I really just feel like I have no idea what to expect from the Eagles. I do hope that they utilize Miles Sanders and they run the ball a lot more, especially with Jalen Hurts as a mobile quarterback. And, obviously, you have Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, on the outside, we have, what, Jalen Rager and Devonta Smith with Greg Ward in the slot? Uh, be, I would say probably, I don't know how they're going to line up. If I, if I was, I, w- I would assume that Rager would be in the slot with Watkins outside. They're, it's going to be Smith, Rager, Watkins. I, it really depends oh, on right. how they think okay. Watkins can, tor- if he's better match up against these linebackers or the cornerbacks. But Smith's going to be outside, and then Rager or Watkins will be in the slot, and the other will be outside. And then what about J.J. Arcega-Whiteside? Uh, he's going to get 100% of the snaps. <laughs> he'll, be a, he'll be there tight end, quarterback, everything. Jeez. Um, but, yeah, I mean, hopefully the Eagles are going to run the ball more this year, right? I mean, Miles Sanders was probably the most underutilized running back in the league last year. Yeah, he was def- He ranked. T- I remember I consistently put out stats throughout the offseason. He was top five in yards per carry, average yards per game, and he was still not getting as many carries as he should have. Now, I would hope, and I think this coaching staff realized you need to use Miles Sanders a lot more. It was one of the big issues, even not even from fans, but I think personnel in those articles, you saw people complaining about them not running it enough last season. Again, that's the kind of the intrigue. And it's I, I like the the not really talking about not showing it because as much as it hurts us, it hurts other teams because Atlanta has no idea what Philly's going to run. Like these preseasons, we talk about the preseason, they show about ten percent of what they're going to run. I mean, they kind of just stick with their bare bones offense for the young guys and just kind of see how they perform on a games aspect and sort of instead of kind of installing their playbook. Okay. So none of these teams are going to know what the Eagles are going to run. I think it's going to benefit them. For it's now by week three, that's all gonna get thrown out the window. But with a team like this, where they're seasoned and not knowing how they're gonna perform, you need every win you can get. See, so right now the Philadelphia Eagles are three point underdogs. The thread, I mean, uh, excuse me, the spread. They are plus three, which comes in as a plus one oh two. I kind of like that pick. Do you think the Eagles are gonna win this game? I, I, I think they can. I really think they're going to. It's. It really, it, it's if Jalen Hurts comes in and composes, he's been and plays decent football. Like you don't even need exceptional football of Hurts if he just plays an average game under center, gets everybody playing, gets a solid handoff to Miles Sanders, 
I, I really don't see why they can't pull this game off. We were talking about these odds of Jay Brad and kind of like how the Eagles are the underdogs. I think he's, I don't know who it was, but he said the money line was like something like plus 154 or something like that. Yep, plus 156. 156. I, 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 was, I, was telling, I understand why they give it to him. Because Atlanta, they have a little bit more stability with Matt Ryan. They are home, and it's two new coaching staffs. So it's very two new young teams. I understand why they give the slight favor to the home team. Now, do I think the Falcons are going to win? No, but I understand why the line's like that for entirety of the NFL. Okay, so now you're looking at it, and the over-under is set at 48.5 points. I kind of like the under there. I'm still going with the Eagles. Probably, I'll probably take the money line just because the value's there at plus 156. Probably take the spread, too, because I'm sick at plus 102, <laughs> plus three. But over under 48 and a half, I, I had this game coming in, and I told Brace earlier this week on the daily ticket, I had this game coming in at, you know, somewhere around like a 2017 victory for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would agree with that. Kind of like I was mentioning earlier, that ground-and-pound offense from Atlanta, I don't think they're going to be a very high-scoring team. And like I mentioned with the Eagles, they're still trying to get themselves situated in this new offense in a game situation, especially when they barely played together in preseason, that I don't think they're going to score that much either. I could, I kind of go on that same pace. I think like a 21-13 type score is what you're going to see from, from Sunday. Okay, so we got... Basically, the spread, money line, you know, a lot of people don't bet both of those. So let's just say the value right there is plus 156, Eagles money line. And we like the under at 48 and a half. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands on learning and research with world class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay. So let's dive in now to anytime touchdown scorers. Right now, you can get someone like Kyle Pitts plus 175 to score. Do you think Kyle Pitts finds the end zone? I think he does. Because kind of like how I mentioned how they're passing, how they would attack the passing game, it would seem that Kyle Pitts would be one of the best matchups for them. And they're going to want to get him utilized and see how, if he's the real deal with this kind of game-breaking matchup that he can be. I really would expect him to get a lot of targets. I mean, so... I think Devonta Smith's going to get a lot of targets. I don't know if I would take him as an anytime touchdown scorer. He's a plus 240, though. That's pretty damn good value. Yeah, it's the one I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of who I would take. What are Zach Ertz's odds for an plus anytime touchdown? Plus 350. 
I feel in a Zach Ertz touchdown. I feel like yeah. a Zach Ertz week one touchdown has always happened, but it makes a lot of sense now of him still in this offense, and it's just something I would think would happen. I would go with a Zach Ertz anytime touchdown if I had to pick one. I mean, yeah, that, that's great value. I mean, if you look at other Eagles players for anytime touchdown score besides Zach Ertz, the other odds you'll get is Quez Watkins plus 390, Boston Scott plus 400, Greg Ward plus 450, and then the Eagles defense at plus 500. So if you're looking to maximize your value for an anytime touchdown score, it sounds like Zach Ertz at plus 350 is the most likely out of that crew. Yeah, and if I, if you wanted to get risky, my big kind of hot take prediction was that you're going to see a special teams touchdown from either Jalen Rager or Quez Watkins. So I, if you wanted to gamble on a Quez Watkins special team, now I, do I think it's going to happen? I'm not sure, but that's kind of my hot take might happen sort of prediction okay so now let's look at it too obviously we know Jalen Hurts is a mobile quarterback they have his rushing yards at an over under 49 and a half for minus 114 I probably wouldn't touch that I mean you could probably I'd probably say under to be honest with you yeah I if there's any time there's going to I do I think he's going to get over 49 yards I don't think so but if he's not comfortable with his wideouts and finding his guys in that first week, I could see him trying to roll out and make plays on his own, but I don't see that as a high probability. But I, I yeah, I just I, I see him being a lot more composed in the pocket this season compared to last season when he was kind of wheeling and dealing on the outside. Got you. Hold on one second. All right, so looking over at Miles Sanders, obviously we just talked about how I would want the Eagles to actually run the ball more. And here's where his over-under has always been for rushing yards, especially last year too, and he actually hit a lot of these. But it sits at 65 and a half, and I kind of like the over on that. I, I think I would you know, take the over on that one. You're, ta- yeah. you're talking about a guy who you said averaged, what, around five yards per carry last year, and you mm-hmm. give him 15 touches tomorrow maybe, and mm-hmm. that over should hit. Yeah, and he averaged about 70-plus yards a game, even on those minimal touches. And especially somebody that's always been prone for one major breakout run a game. It seemed like last season he had like four or five big like 50-plus yard runs. That's an easy over I would take. Okay, and then we'll jump right to receiving. And look, you got Miles Sanders at 13.5. You have Devonta Smith at 43.5. Jalen Rager. At 40 and a half, Dallas Goddard at 40 and a half. Do you like any of those? None of them are really good values. I mean, you know, you're all right there around like a minus 108 to minus 114 on those. I'm not that. I I've, I wouldn't really touch any of those because I have no idea with who Hurts is really comfortable right. with and who he's going to target a lot. If I had to take one over and one under, I would say I would think Devontae would get over 40. And I would take Rager for under 40. Okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, I can kind of like that too. So, I mean, I'm with you. I, I, It's tough to take any type of receiver right now just because you don't know what you're going to get from Jalen Hurts. And I guess we'll see. But it sounds like we, you know, we're both in on Eagles kind of money line for plus 156, a long shot anytime touchdown score, Zach Ertz, which I believe was what, plus 450? It was and like 350, I think you 350. said. 350. And then the Eagles under at 48 and a half. So if you're looking for Eagles bets, I think we're both comfortable with those three. And 
obviously we'll see how it goes so yeah well we'll save we'll we'll go through the final slate of the nfl games we'll make some picks as we go um i just want to throw it over real quick i mean jack we are still in this ben simmons saga and we're less than a month until october 1st when the eagles are i mean i'm sorry the sixers are gonna have to make a decision on what they're going to do with Ben Simmons. I mean, are they going to let him sit out or do you think a trade will happen before then? I think a trade, I I think it will happen in the midst of training camp. I don't think you're going to see one beforehand until they actually get an exact idea of the situation. And some of the players start to put pressure on where is Ben, what is going on now you're talking about, yeah, literally one month from today is the Sixers third preseason game against the Brooklyn Nets. This NBA season is coming quick. Now, I don't know what the trades are going to be. They're looking around. The, the offers look horrible. Now, you're talking about, we, the main team talked about is Minnesota. But we're looking at the Timberwolves. Their beat writer, John Krasinski, I think his name is, he projected the two offers are D'Angelo Russell or Malik Beasley, Jaden McDaniels, and draft picks, which even no. if you put them both together is a pretty meh offer. The Cavaliers, I'm sure, are probably going to offer something around Colin Sexton and some filler there. Sacramento seems to be out of the running. Golden State seems to be out of the early seems to just be Minnesota, Minnesota or Cleveland, which on the plus side of it, Drew, it's you're sending a young socialite Ben Simmons either into the north or the party town that is Cleveland, Ohio. Well, I mean, as long as we don't send him to California, I, I really, maybe it's petty of me. I, Jack, I just don't want Ben Simmons to get his way or feel like that he won oh, I would agree. any of this. You no, know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, absolutely. Let's, let's bury him somewhere. I always tell Sean Brace that we are going to put him in Detroit for uh, 2022 F-150. <laughs> if I had to pick a team, and it's, like, it's not a realistic trade option, I would send him to Utah in a second. Why? Who, what is a, can you name a less lively city than Utah? Yeah. Salt Lake yeah. City, Utah? Yeah, I mean, that, that'd be a good, like, way to, like, banish Ben Simmons where, you know, we don't really see much, many Utah jazz games. That's also why Portland was, you know, so attractive to send him to, obviously because of Damian Lillard, you know, first and foremost, but just to put him somewhere where you really don't see that team play. And that's why I kind of like Sacramento too, until Ben Simmons actually came out and said that he wanted to go to one of the three California teams. Then they were off the table for me. Cause again, I don't want him to get his way. Even Portland, Portland's on like that West coast. Like they can just make that drive down. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm not a big fan of sending him to Portland either. So you, you want to send him right over to like the Rust Belt or Middle America where Precisely. can't have his California dreams come true. Put him in the heart of America. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like that too, to be totally honest with you. But send, him to, oh my, send him to Indiana. Get us Malcolm Brogdon. I, well, that trade was probably one of the first that popped up. Did, was, it, was that any, you know, that was the trade? I forget who reported it, but that was the first trade offer, and I believe it was because Jason Dumas kind of doubled down and said he heard this also. Uh, well, or, Jason I think Jason Dumas hasn't gotten anything right <laughs> for the. I mean, he's like a weatherman in San Francisco, and he came out and said Clutch Sports uh, pulled Tyrese Maxey from charitable events because they want him out of Philadelphia so he can't do roots, and then 24 hours later said it wasn't true. 
We're talking about Tyrese Maxey. He's like a 21-year-old kid. They're using him as a pawn, Jason Dumas. You're a pawn, right? I I really feel like that was... I just I also really don't like Clutch. I really yeah. just think that that was something that might have had some semblance of truth to it, and then it got reversed, and Dumas reversed his position. But I have no semblance, or that's just my hopeful bias guess. Well, and then, then not only that, but then you look on you know, any national media thing. And you have Brian Windhorst, who is, you know, has been covering LeBron James since he was what in middle school and kind of used LeBron James to work his way up through the media, which good for him. He, you know, definitely had LeBron uh, all over national media for the last, what, 25 years. But Honestly, I mean, all these people, I just feel like they're all in bed with clutch sports. And I, I, I really don't know what's true and what's not true. And at the end of the day, I really do believe that Daryl Morey or Doc Rivers or Elton Brand or someone from the Sixers needs to come out and do a press conference and say, hey, here is exactly what we know from Ben Simmons and clutch sports on where Ben Simmons is. And... Here's exactly the type of thing, and maybe this will hurt trade you know, discussions. I get that. But here's just what I would like to see. And here's exactly why we haven't traded him, who we will trade him for. And if Ben Simmons does not want to play, then we are fully prepared to let him rot on the bench until that we find something that works for us. And I just need to hear it from the 76ers organization. Why is Joel Embiid the only person from inside the 76ers organization that even has mentioned Ben Simmons. I mean, I know Tyrese Maxey said that, you know, he talks to Ben a lot, but they're both clutch sports. And then Danny Green has made some comments here and there, but I feel like Joel Embiid is the only player or only person in the 76ers organization that has actually made a statement on this, and it was via Twitter. What is going on? I have no idea. I mean, I understand... Especially when you talk about, remember at the Harden situation, Daryl Morey literally came out and said they're not trading Ben Simmons. Right. It's I would I'm assuming it's coming from some point of leverage, but even at this point, you kind of all leverage is gone. Well, yeah, all leverage went out the window when Ben said he was sitting out training camp. He had no interest in raising his trade value. All of that stuff. There is I don't know what leverage they have left. And the only thing that's the, the negative about sitting him out is Brian Windhorst made that comment about when Ben sat out that it's, I forget the exact date, but Ben received October 1st. He had $16 million of his money comes. Now, granted, I'm pretty sure you can probably find it back. I don't know the exact specifics of that, but that's just a negative. It's He's already getting his money. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're past that, though, right? I mean, who cares about the money now? And it's, I, I just don't, I hope that the 76ers you know, can hold a good grudge like I can. But, you know, the fact that Ben Simmons, where all these reports are still coming out saying that the main reason why he was mad is because Doc Rivers said that he can't be a point guard on a champion basketball team, championship basketball team. If that's the truth, then, I mean, you know me, I'm a Ben Simmons guy, but that is so soft. And I believe you actually wrote an article about how soft that was on the Liberty Line. There was about, I went back and look, I found about like five to seven instances of when Doc Rivers went to bat for Ben, either defending him about not shooting, saying he does so much stuff other be- else, uh, so much other stuff better, saying he's a defensive player of the year type player, 
all of these different things throughout the entirety of the season, even during the playoffs. And he never said a negative thing. And that was the first negative thing he said about him. And Ben has made it a writing point as to why he wants out of Philadelphia. And that is just such a soft thing that he can't take any criticism. And it shouldn't be two things. Between that and saying he doesn't care about his trade value, one thing is remaining. He does. He is not going to change his jump shot. No. He does not want to. He is not, If you are getting upset about Coach saying that about you one time, and you're saying you have no interest in trading your trade value, which kind of, in my mind, directly it's correlates. It's shooting. Yes. It, it also just work ethic. Just like right. wanting to better yourself. It's gotten to the point where Shaquille O'Neal and Charles Barkley straight up said, Ben Simmons, you're not that good. I And you got Stephen A. Smith saying, hey, Ben Simmons, you could be great, but you don't want to be great. I mean, you have literally people from the national media, Hall of Fame basketball players, you name it, us, being like, Ben, you just have to shoot the basketball, dude. That is literally it. It is the number one fundamental thing that basketball players do and you refuse to do it. And it's just so frustrating. I, I, I don't even know what to think about it anymore. It's, oh, I'm so sick of dealing. I cannot wait for the trade. I know. And do, would you agree that this is probably, it will be the most, the loudest boo in Wells Fargo arguably ever when, if he even returns, he might pull a Kyrie Irving I, I in Boston. I disagree. I disagree actually. I think that the city of Philadelphia will welcome Ben Simmons back with open arms under one condition is that he comes out and he shoots the basketball. But what you're saying, he's not going to shoot. So everyone's going to boom, which I, do I was talking about with. when he got traded. I was talking about when he returned with a different team. Oh, if he returned with a different team. Yes. I mean, I don't know any other player in Philadelphia history that would be more hated than Ben Simmons. If he left this team under the precedent that he will refuse to play basketball. People will destroy him. I think worse than someone like Carson Wentz. I, I, I really do believe do, he would get more hate than Carson Wentz, right? Yeah, because the thing you could say about Carson Wentz and you can't say about Ben Simmons is Carson Wentz tried hard and tried to better himself to the best of his ability. And by the end of that season, people wanted to move on from Carson right. and he wanted to move on. And there really, it wasn't like Carson was unwilling to throw the football or unwilling to roll out of the pocket. Like I agree. I agree, man. Well, you know, obviously we'll hang tight. Of course you have the Phillies right now where if they don't go on a run and we get lucky with some Braves losses, they're looking pretty much dead. And then, of course, tomorrow we have the start of the NFL season. We'll be right back. We're going to look at a couple other games. We'll make a couple other picks and uh, just wrap up the show, leading you right into NFL Sunday week one. This is Liberty Line Radio on Fox Sports The Gambler. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back to Liberty Line Radio here on Fox Sports The Gambler. My name's Drew Smith, joined by Jack Connell. Look, I mean, we've I've pretty much covered all the bases, right, with the Phillies. Little Sixers update in there. We went through the Eagles lines. We looked at, you know, what player props we like there. Zach Ertz has a lot of value. We both like the Eagles money line, and we like the under at 48 and a half. Now let's, you know, use the last five minutes of the show here, and let's just run through NFL Sunday. First up, you have... The Pittsburgh Steelers, Jack, going to Buffalo to face Bills Mafia. Right now, they are six and a half point underdogs, the Steelers, heading into Buffalo. I, I mean, I don't, 
Six and a half is a lot of points, and, you know, the Steelers with Ben and veteran leadership, but I, I kind of have to go the Buffalo Bills there. Is six and a half too much? I wouldn't really say so because Pittsburgh's offense, it's Big Ben has – it's nobody really knows how Big Ben's going to come out and perform. And you look at the Hibnaji Harris, who's looked very solid in the preseason, right. but I don't know what his workload's going to be. Their wide receivers, Juju, has really looked meh. Chase Claypool looks about the same. But you look at Buffalo. Buffalo is just projected to be a Super Bowl contender this year. Josh Allen. Stephon Diggs has been one of the best wideouts in football. Their running game's all right. It's, I, I, would, put it, I would put it in the margins. Because especially the big thing that was a negative for Pittsburgh coming into the season was not getting a deal done with T.J. Watt. And now they just inked him up to be the highest paid defensive player, I believe, right. ever. So... I mean, that's a big thing to have off their back and go in there ready to roll. These are going to be two really good teams this year, but, I mean, the six and a half, that's a pretty large margin there, Drew. It is. I don't even know if I'm going to touch that game, to be honest. I I really don't like anything there. Um, All right, so, I mean, six and a half seems like a lot. Obviously, if you take Buffalo Bills' money line, they're minus 290. There's no really value there. We don't see the Pittsburgh Steelers winning. But, you know, if we're going to get sick with it, I'd probably take – Buffalo Bills minus six and a half. I see them probably maybe winning the game by a touchdown, 10 points, something around there. Um, moving on, we have the New York Jets going to the Carolina Panthers, which, you know, doesn't really excite me anywhere there. But Jets are only plus three and a half at minus 105. And Panthers are minus 200 money line over under 48 and a half. Do we see either of these teams putting up points? I the the Carolina offense is very like it's a, it's another mystery just in terms of Sam Darnold. Nobody knows how good Sam Darnold's going to be. I mean, he was a dumpster fire in New York, but even I was a very big Sam Darnold supporter. I really think he can put it together. It's I I think they can do. I I really think that this Carolina team could put up some scores. They have I mean Christian McCaffrey's back. He's fully healthy. You DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, they have a very solid offense. And if Sam Darnold can sit composed in the pocket and get off some decent throws, this Jets defense is not good at all. And right. I really would expect, I think the Panthers could run up the board a little bit here. I mean, do you like, I, okay, so, I mean, Panthers minus three and a half is minus 114. I, I don't really like that game either. I don't like the next one. Jacksonville is three point favorites at Houston. <laughs> I mean, Houston's kind of a mess, and their defense, I guess, is kind of a mess, too. A lot of uh, people have been saying all week that if you're looking for value in a quarterback, you take Trevor Lawrence against this Houston's defense. But I don't really know too much about either of those teams besides Deshaun Watson is not playing, and Tyrod Taylor's their starter down there in Houston. Houston is horrible. You have Tyrod Taylor under center, I believe David Johnson might be their yeah. number one running back. So it's oh. very, it's Mark Ingram's down there also. Brandon Cooks is pretty much their only wide out down there. Their defense is horrible. And with Jacksonville, their receivers are all right. You obviously don't have their first-round pick traps at the end. They have James Robinson, I believe, is pretty much their sole running back down there. Their offensive line's in shambles. So you're going to take the uh, Jaguars minus three? I don't know. I wouldn't touch it either because almost always rookie QBs get off to a bad start no matter – where they are or who they're playing any of that it's just they always seem to not play good now here's a good game that i do you know like it's arizona at tennessee arizona comes in as three point dogs 
They're plus 130 money line. And the Titans are minus 154 money line. And that over-under is huge. It's set at 53.5 compared to a lot of the other ones, which are in the 40s. Um, I don't know. I think that's going to be a good game, though. Ryan Tannehill, you know, brings in, what, Julio Jones over there in Tennessee. Obviously, the Cardinals, Kyler Murray. Um, what are you feeling about that game? I really do think this game is going to be a shootout because, like you mentioned, with Julio, A.J. Brown taking another step, Derrick Henry, obviously. And then you look at Arizona with DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray. That offense is phenomenal. Both these offenses are really, really good. Now, the big question of Tennessee is obviously Arthur Smith was kind of the constructor of that offense. Now they're going to be going a lot of changes since they had Julio, and they're kind of starting to transition more to a well-rounded offense if they can counterbalance that and pull that off. It's I, I still think it's Julio, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry. You can't. You still are going to be able to put points up on the board. I could see a pretty, a pretty good scoring game from these two. And here's another interesting game that I'm looking at as well with L.A. Chargers are actually underdogs at Washington. And I know the Washington defense is good, but I really like the Chargers this year, especially with Justin Herbert behind center. And they are plus 108 money line to beat the Redskins. Yeah, that one's tough. Yesterday, Austin Eckler was questionable, and I don't know what his status is for game day just yet, or if that's going to be any issue, but if you lose Austin Eckler, that's a big part of their offense. Austin Eckler is projected to be a really breakout player this year, and Washington's defense is really good. Now, if Eckler's there, I'm all in on LA, between Keenan Allen, Josh, or Justin Herbert, everybody they have there, I really think that they can put up a bunch of points, even against a really good Washington defense. But if you don't have Eckler, then I start to get worried. It's a little tough there. All right. Well, we got to wrap this up here, Jack. Tomorrow, Eagles, Falcons, give me your final score prediction to take us out of here. 24-10. 24-10, Eagles. Oh, Jesus, That's a lot more distance than I have. I'm, I'm going to lock them in at 2017. Birds win week one and come home for the home opener next week against the San Francisco 49ers. For everyone else, this is Liberty Line Radio. Good luck on your bets this weekend. We'll be back next week breaking down NFL Sunday. Jack, always a pleasure talking to you, man. We'll see everyone soon. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.